Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to episode 15, I think. It is. A nice round number. Episode 15 of Get the Flick Out of Here. Wait, that was, hold on. Hold on wait, I got, I got 10. You got, you got, there we go. 15. I got the fiver, baby. All right. Let's sweet. go. Uh, another five of these. We're going to have to start showing our feet. Uh, nope. Got to pay extra for that. <laughs> nope, Just pay learned that, that on the last podcast. <laughs> Sorry, Jimmy. Nope. Don't get those for free. No. Um, uh, where uh, we, hi, anyway, I'm, this is your first time. I apologize for that. <laughs> but hi, I'm, I'm Alex Blasky, and with me as always is, uh, is Kate Elizabeth. And we uh, talk about weird, bad, crazy, uh, off the wall uh, movies, uh, mostly movies now. We used to do TV more often, but well, maybe we'll get back into TV soon. Let's go get um, the flick out of here. Yeah, so. let's be honest. Let's be honest, really. M movie centric. Um, yeah. So uh, we, we talk about these things, uh, things that are weird and odd. Um, and uh, last week we did The Room, which uh, was a, uh, which was, which was supposed to be a very, a very affecting trauma, but ended up being uh, a really bad comedy. Um, and uh, I think what's great about this week, Kate, is that we did two movies, and they were both knew exactly what they were. They were bad comedies, um, uh, uh, and and uh, you know, bad, silly. I was charmed by the self awareness. Yeah, like they they went out of their way to acknowledge like this is a little bit goofy, a yeah. lot of times I found in mine. So, um, I I was going through uh, uh, still kind of unpacking, trying to find where things are going to go on shelves or whatever uh, from the move that we had here a few months ago. Uh, I was going through a box in the basement of of DVDs and found my uh, my copy of mannequin which i which i which i bought um to sh to show at like a at like a like a film thing with other people we're doing a show uh a play uh where the characters reference the movie mannequin and so i was at walmart and happened to find a copy of it and i was like well it's five dollars why not i'll buy it and we can all watch it during rehearsal and that's why i have it otherwise i would not have this movie it's not really my taste but um uh but it is weird and odd um and the thing of it is when you buy the dvd it also comes with a copy of mannequin 2 um and i said i said to kate uh ever watched mannequin she said no i never watched mannequin i said well wait well you have to we have you just have to it's it's a standard of the time it is it is as though uh the the year 1987 uh threw up a movie <laughs> into a time capsule, and then we opened it uh, 35 years later. Um, and uh, the thing of it is, is for some reason, and nobody really knows why, the original mannequin is unavailable to stream anywhere. You can't even buy the rights. Like to, they can't. Like, hey, I'll go to Amazon or Voodoo or wherever you have, and I'll rent rent it for four dollars. What you can't even do that. It just doesn't exist. Gone. Um, but you can get it on DVD. I don't even think you can. I don't think they print them anymore. 
Like, I might have one of the last copies in the world. Oh, my world. God. You have a collector's Magic. item. I might have it. Might have to go on eBay and see what that will go for. Uh, because after this week, I never need to see that movie. Again. Maybe I'll send <laughs> it to somebody else who wants to see it. But you can stream Mannequin 2. So I said, these movies have nothing to do with each other. So, Kate, why don't you stream Mannequin 2? And I'll pop the old DVD in the old uh, DVD player. Uh, and uh, and I'll watch Mannequin 1. And then we'll compare notes. And here's the thing. Because these things have nothing to do with each other, really. Uh, there's no carryover, save for one character. Um, and even then, not really. Uh, we're going to have you talk about Mannequin 2 first. And then I'll talk about Mannequin 1. And we can compare some notes and see how it goes. So what's amazing is right off the bat, you answered two questions. My first one was, while I did say I was charmed, why you spent money to buy it was something right. that I did right. not understand. $5 bin, you explained mm -hmm. the circumstances. Appreciated yeah. that. The other thing was, like, was there any crossover between the two? And you had immediately clarified off the top, like before this show, when we were discussing to do this. No, no, there was not. So I had not seen Mannequin. I did not know what to expect going in. I did, not to, like, not to say that I'm a genius, but I did assume at some point there was going to be a Mannequin in the movie. I did think that. I didn't know if it was going to be a weekend at Bernie's situation. I did not know what we were looking at. So uh, I was completely surprised. Um, there are some things that are worth noting right off the top. One is the character of Hollywood mm -hmm. um, is by far the best part of the movie. Absolute scene stealer in everything he does. He's so, so, so good. And that's not even saying that the rest of the performances aren't great, but just like what a magnetic, um, like performance. Because I don't think if that character is played by someone who's less skilled, it the character stands out or or works right. that well. Um, but Hollywood is, is is a great character, and I'll explain who he is as we get into this. But before the credits even hit. I was extremely confused because, again, the movie's called Mannequin. And the first thing we see is like a medieval uh, throwback <laughs> to like... Just just wait until the crazy setup for Mannequin 1. I'm so excited. There's just a man on a horse who, in a very um, like common archetype, is going to, to uh, rescue a woman who is with a young lady, like a, a child, uh, and he just, she gets on his horse and they're about to ride off into the sunset together. And the first thing I notice is they just leave this little girl in the cottage they were in. And she at no point, they don't, it's, they don't say it's her daughter. They don't say who this little girl was in relation. I guess it was just like someone's kid wanted a spot in the movie. Because she kind of just waves. No idea who it is. She doesn't come up and they're just fine leaving this probably seven-year-old girl. Mm -hmm. um, so within the first few minutes, I was like, oh God, is this going to be that 
type of bad where it's like I'm gonna have to be catching stuff like that, but it was not. Um, so we find out that the man on the horse is a prince. Shocker. Huge upset. Uh, the woman is a peasant and they have a forbidden love because the queen does not want a, what they refer to as a mixed marriage. And I was like, that is interesting that that is their choice of words in this scenario. Um, but so this is what I was realizing, like, this is before the credits all too. Um, but the, the army is sent by the queen to split up this situation and what I loved was immediately they are self-aware because he's just, like, beating off basically the entire army. And I was like, okay, they know, like, they're aware of the silliness of the thing that they are creating. I know word choice. I see the smirk on her face. He's wiping out this entire army. Okay, there we go. Um, and then... Uh, and then the queen shows up on a horse, and I was like, well, then why did you even bother sending the entire army to get slaughtered anyway? Um, but she pulls this lady aside, separates the two of them. They've been separated by the army, and she puts a cursed necklace on her that says, um, you will only unfreeze from being a mannequin, essentially, it's in a thousand years, and you find your true love. That's the only way that the situation comes can resolve itself um and so then the credits hit and i'm like still pretty confused <laughs> how is there there is a mannequin in this i was movie. like yes the it's a mannequin woman's a mannequin but from medieval times like were mannequins around in medieval times i had many many questions so the mannequin is a frozen woman in that time um and the prince's name was william this is important because in present day, William is named Jason. So the idea is that several lifetimes have passed, but he goes by a different name, which just seems like an unnecessary obstacle to create. <laughs> and the continuity here, like, just have him be William the 9,000th. Like, it's fine. But I think maybe they didn't want to do that because they didn't want it to be obvious to the other people in the movie who knew what was going on. So I can make an exception for that, but it was very confusing when they were referencing this essentially the same soul in different time periods. Um, but we see a young man um, leaving what ends up being his mother's home, and his mother runs a matchmaking service, which is not that important, but a fun little wrinkle. So you assume this guy is single. Um, he's driving to Philadelphia and it's his first day of work at this very high end jewelry sort of department store. And he gets introduced to his very, very rigid boss who is very hard on people. And he has two lackeys that follow him around and they're always writing down notes of the things he's saying. And um, they're kind of fun because they're just like, I guess, little like typical tag alongs. Uh, and there's another set of fun henchmen that we get to meet later. But he's the new trainee, and then, again, immediately confused because we go from, like, this very high-end jewelry store, and we meet Hollywood, um, who is teaching a hip-hop class, and I have no idea why there's a hip-hop class happening in the high-end jewelry store until we get clarification that this dance routine that's being choreographed by Hollywood is going to be a part of a major event that is happening. Um, but until that clarification where he's literally just teaching a pop class to a bunch of people, um, 
is very, very, very confusing. Um, but Hollywood and Jason slash William immediately connect. Um, even as a new trainee, Jason has like a sense of humor, which is something that nobody else in that position had before because they were so scared of the rigid boss. And uh, then we learn about the enchanted peasant girl. The enchanted peasant girl is in a museum and it's basically the story of this mannequin and they make a point to say but nobody believes that the story is real that this woman has a a necklace on that froze her for a thousand years to which my thing was maybe you should just take off the necklace and find out i mean maybe <laughs> maybe kind of ruins the movie a little bit um, but we get this fun scene where uh, it's being shipped from, I think it was Bavaria or something, it was a Germanic country, with t- uh, three lackeys who are just absolute stooges. They're like always in workout gear for some reason, which is super, super fun. Um, and they're just, they're very silly. Again, like, I liked how aware the silliness was in this movie because they just, they can't do anything right. And we see that there's an accident where the, uh, not cargo, but I guess the truck shipment is stuck by a bridge and it's leaning toward the river. And the cops that are tending to the situation say like, hey, this whole truck cavity is about to fall in the river. Crazy little henchmen, you need to get out. And they say, no, 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 we're supposed to be um, protecting the enchanted peasant girl. And, uh, they just fall into the water with her because they're terrible at this. So um, when we hear about the emergency, Jason and Hollywood make a run for it. They're driving to the truck situation. They know how important this is. It's vital uh, to, to the whole hip hop act and the whole event. The whole purpose of the event is to show off it's this mannequin. The hip hop act cannot proceed without the enchanted peasant girl. Absolutely you... not. The no. whole routine is built around this mannequin. How could you even suggest so. such a thing? No, and you certainly couldn't just use a mannequin from the department no. store, and that would be crazy. No. So they all fall in the water. Everybody reacts because this is devastating. And then our young hero, Jason, who is the most 80s boyish charmed little man uh dives in the water to save her and his interaction with this mannequin is that she's a real woman and it's because he's really william he's really the true love of her life and in falling in the water she lost a lot of her her clothes including the necklace so they at least have some like nice continuity with that and then when they put all of the her garments back on this mannequin that fell in the water, she goes back to being a mannequin, right? So that all like made sense in a very, very weird thing, but just like watching this all unfold, it's just a very weird story. It is one of those things, and we will talk about this with the with the first mannequin. There is there's no need for for it to be such a high concept reason for the mannequin. <laughs> to come to life like the fact that it's like like i mean like we've we've dealt like one of the most famous stories in history is that of pinocchio a a a a little wooden puppet that is brought to life via a magic spell 
why they felt the need to have it be a person that was frozen for a thousand years who then comes back to life later. It just, it feels like it's just, you're doing like four or five extra steps you don't have to do to get to the magical thing. We'll, we'll buy anything. We sat down, we're watching a movie where a, where a mannequin comes to life. You don't have to do all, all of that extra stuff. I, I feel, but that's. And like the fact that it was in a different country, like I, yeah. There's characters that that makes sense with later, but like you could have just rooted them in America. It was just a very convoluted way to get to where we were going. But they recover the sacred wardrobe. Um, earlier, we meet a character named Gail, who I think is by the perfume counter, if I remember right. She hits on Jason, and Jason is like, Well, we just met. It's the first day. We should just get to know each other. Co workers at first. At first. Um, and there's a security dweeb who's like, so has the hots for this gale gal and gets blown off because he's a nerd. But though uh, Gale hits on the German henchmen <laughs> that come in as soon as they see him, they had to hitchhike because obviously the truck was out and right. Hollywood and, and Jason don't give a crap about him. And yeah. these two women that are driving like a garbage truck, pick them up and throw them in the the tank, which was like a very unnecessary but fun little scene. Um, So they get this mannequin situated. The three henchmen that are there know that they have to go meet who we find out is a guy named Countess Spritzel, which is the the whole reason that it's like a Bavarian anything is just so that they could name this guy this, I think. <laughs> Count Spretzel. Um, so they need to pick him up at the airport, and then we get kind of context as to what the deal with this mannequin is a little bit further. Um, but what happens is Hollywood and Jason assure them that they're going to keep this mannequin safe. But in getting the mannequin resituated, the necklace comes off. Um, and there's a fun little thing. The the actress in this was fantastic. Like she, I felt like played this time traveled innocence pretty well, considering what a weird, <laughs> weird thing it was. But she immediately recognizes Jason as the love of her life because the soul is that of William. And she's like, I am conscious and I am in love with you. <laughs> He's like, you're a talking mannequin. What the hell is going on? Um, but there's a fun thing where people are coming by and she has to go back to pretending she's a mannequin, which was, I thought was a cute little, a cute little thing. Um, but he, once he comes around to the realization of what happened a little bit, still not knowing why she came to life, just that she came to life and that they clearly had some sort of connection. He is like, well, you're a person, not a mannequin. So we should probably like get you a place to sleep at some point. You can't just be standing in the back of this department store, jewelry store thing. Um, And then we get some really fun, like, I've been transported to a different time references of like, I love electricity. I love America so much. Um, She's hungry. She's like, well, yeah, I haven't eaten in a thousand years. (laughs) That was like a cute little thing that they did. Um, but so the scene that happens earlier of, uh, 
them explaining in a museum with this mannequin what happened. We see who ends up being Count Spritzel um, saying, like, basically that he knows the story is real. So we have some sort of idea that he knows what happened. He's also time-traveled, whatever. He's aware that the situation isn't fake. Um, but he even says, like, I'm the great, 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 great grandson um, of the queen at that time. And he's now the sorcerer. Um, and we also learn that he has this getaway plan. Him and the henchmen meet at the airport. And he says that the plan is to make this girl come to life, basically. They stole precious jewels from their home country and that they're going to run to Bermuda with mannequin turned real woman. And the four of them are going to go live in Bermuda happily ever after and not return to their stupid home country. So meanwhile, uh, Jason and the mannequin are, are falling in love. They <laughs> go to the club, which I think is probably not like the best idea in the world. I think maybe don't take someone out in public that's a mannequin turned person. Throw them into a club scene. Feels very dangerous to her. And also like maybe try and figure out the mannequin turned person dynamic like in a private setting. Um, there's a scene where they're eating a sandwich and she's like, this crunchy stuff tastes funny. And he's like, silly, that's the paper. Like, we get it. She's at a different time than she was in. Um, but uh, they're, they're dancing very, like, intimately, but they don't kiss at this point. But they're, like, very cheek to cheek and very, like, it's very clear that they're falling in love in the eight hours she's been conscious, which is so weird. Um, so there's this funny little unnecessary scene that follows where he goes to take Mannequin Gal home. And um, he brings her upstairs and his mom has this matchmaking service, right? And the owner of the jewelry store, the uptight boss, is cutting a dating service video. Now, we have young, this like predates me, but like for our younger viewers, there were like cassette tapes that you could buy with eligible bachelors explaining like who they were. Um, back back in the day, back in the 80s. And you could buy these cassettes and their phone numbers would straight up just be on it. Just personal information for everyone to know and see. This is, this is pre, 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 pre-Tinder. Oh, like beyond like your but phone But this is what you had towards. to do. If you wanted, if, if, if the Tinder of now was that of then. Amazing. Like that's the only way you could, you could do it. That was it. That was it. If your friend didn't have an eligible friend, you were recording one of those videos. So he's like very uncomfortable with the recording situation. He doesn't want to say what his job is. Um, but this is Jason's mom who's doing it. And he comes in with the mannequin and they don't quite explain if they've actually seen what happened. Like they don't quite explain that the, the boss saw the human version of this mannequin that's supposed to be at his store and Jason come in because they kind of just run upstairs. But he's definitely spooked out and leaves the house and he rips the film out of the, the VHS, for those of you who don't know, to, to tear up the tape and it's kind of like he just wants to put the whole situation behind him. So I interpreted that as he just saw a ghost. And by ghost, I mean mannequin turned human being. Um, so that was like weird but fun. 
and uh, there's this very like tender conversation that happens while she's in bed. He's clearly not going to sleep in the same bed as her because that would be weird in all of this. That would be very odd. Um, but there's a scene where he explains that she sees a photograph of him and his dad and she's like, this is an amazing painting. It must have taken the artist hours. They must have been so good. And he's like, Oh, that's a snapshot, dear. Um, but he explains that his father uh, passed away like shortly after that photograph was taken. And she's like, I sure do miss my family, too, as I was frozen in time for a thousand years. And he was like, I can relate. This is a totally normal and authentic connection that we're having at this time. We have so much in common. Just ridiculous. So, uh what nobody has figured out yet is that the necklace still freezes you if you put it on. So what happens is she goes to shower. Um, he being the chivalrous little Jason that he is leaves the room. She puts on her like club wear again and unknowingly puts the necklace back on. So she turns into a mannequin again. Jason has thinks he's just delusional because it's clearly a mannequin and not a human being when he runs back up the stairs to check on her. And um, he just is startled and brings her back to work. But she's like in the club wear that she was in yesterday. So that creates a whole fiasco because the German goons come in. They're trying on hats in the department store because they're just the gooniest of goons. Um, and we see the mannequin re-enter dressed in the club gear with the hair done and whatever and uh count spritzel <laughs> says uh like basically what have you done with like this peasant girl and jason says oh well that's like an exclusive from our junior's designer line and he says oh okay that it's acceptable that she looks like this so the whole point of this is he brought her over to spike tourism this is and if you're here from wrestling world this is the kayfabe of it like he wants to turn her human take the jewels sell the jewels and run off right which i also thought was funny because they're in a jewelry store i'm like well why wouldn't you just rob the jewelry store like why'd you take them from the home country that makes no sense but the whole the whole schmaz of it is we brought her here to create publicity to improve tourism because it's been down um so he like thinks that that's a good move and everybody's just kind of going about their business. And at one point it's just the mannequin and Hollywood. Jason's reeling because he doesn't understand what the hell happened. He almost tells Hollywood what happened, but he realizes it's going to sound absolutely bonkers as he should. So he just goes, I think to get something to eat. I forget what it was, but he, Hollywood is just like prepping the mannequin for the hip hop number, of course. And takes off the necklace and puts it on himself. And so she comes alive again because Jason's still in the vicinity as a true love. And Hollywood turns into a mannequin and it's, he's, so, I can't emphasize like how much this movie falls apart if he's not great because like he, it's not plucky comic relief. It's like relief that holds the movie together because otherwise it's just corny and not funny. He, like, is so authentically great in this. I absolutely loved him. Um, but so we see uh, 
basically the mannequin has come to life and she's looking for Jason. Like, why do I just keep ending up in a different location as this unfrozen woman? And where's this guy that I'm pretty sure is the love of my life? So she's just walking down a department store and she doesn't know what's going on. So she like accidentally buys him a couch, which is really fun because she can't pay in currency. And they're like, oh, we'll just use his employee discount and stuff. Um, but the goon squad sees her and she like is able to outsmart them as dumb and naive as she is by simply hiding around a corner. But you see um her go to the beauty department because what is a, a movie without a, a montage right like even rock you had a montage as we've discussed in previous episodes of the show she has a beauty montage there's a couple love montages in that um that are not not love making falling in love montages um but we have a fun interaction where thirsty gail that gal is talking to her and she says have you seen jason he let me sleep in his bed yesterday and she oh. was like how was it and she says it was great he showed me so much <laughs> so gail is obviously interpreting this all the wrong way but this was like a fun little almost like on fraser how everybody was speaking the same language in the wrong way like all the time that was yeah. so much of fraser we kind of get a fun little glimpse of that too, but so then Count Spretzel, I it, my autocorrect on my notes keeps changing it to Pretzel, and it's very funny. Um, sends the Goon Squad and also is going after Jason because he realizes what's happened, right? Like she's reanimated, he's realizing that Jason is the love of his life, and he wanted it to be him and her, and he was going to wait until the big reveal at this huge event to make that happen for the two of them, and they would run away together. Um, so he's shooting bows and arrows at him. He's throwing clay pots at him. She finds like a go-kart and just takes out the goons. Um, and is just driving. She finds a go-kart. As you do. Yeah. As you do in the situation. Just one happened to be lying around. She, it's like very, very token scene, right? Like Jason jumps on the back of it and they're like driving through the goons. They get through Count's pretzel pretzel and, uh, and she, he's like, he says, watch out the window. And she says, what? Drive through the window? And so she drives through the window onto the road. There's a truck that the car goes under, but Jason is standing up and kind of loses her. Um, and he finds her back at home. Like the one place she, uh, she apparently just knew to go back to Jason's mom's house. And she has perfect sense of direction perfect sense of direction or what the earliest gps ever made um yep. but she she ends up back at the house so jason comes back to see her is so relieved she's there finally kisses her and they kiss like a bunch of times and then the cops show up and hollywood because he's turned into a mannequin and now unturned into a mannequin realizes like the funny business that's happening here so uh they put the necklace back on her account pretzels pretzel spretzel puts the necklace back on her to turn her into a mannequin because he's run up the stairs jason is in handcuffs at this point um and they say basically that jason just tried to steal this mannequin this precious international heirloom mannequin so she's a mannequin again this poor girl just freezing and unfreezing and freezing and oh. unfreezing 
So I'm he had frozen. The... I'm unfrozen. Come on, pick oh one. Oh my god, pick one. Let me live in peace, or let me just stay frozen. Like the movie, I could sing like the Elsa. So uh, Jason is in jail, and this is like the most fun. Hollywood comes to bail him out in what looks like a park ranger outfit. Like this did not look like a police outfit. But to get him out, he says um, to the policemen who are guarding, he's like, that's one of my boys in there. I'm a higher rank than you, and I'm bringing him downtown. And the cop says, we're already downtown. And he goes, I'm bringing him even further downtown, which is just like a cute, cute way to do it. And his character is so flamboyant. And because he's a hip hop artist, he's not like playing this role very well. There's nothing convincing about him yeah. as uh, a high ranking authority figure at all. Um, so he bails Jason out and then as they're walking away, he's just doing like this flamboyant little like dance walk down, <laughs> like clicking his heels and stuff. And so the policeman is finally like, you didn't sign the log to like acknowledge the transfer. And then the cop is like, hey, wait a minute. You're not even a real cop. Like just absolute buffoons here. Um, but uh, Hollywood's performance of the whole thing is just like so, so, so good. So basically, they get back to the store in time for the big event. And what's happened is they've changed the hip hop performance, which looked great, um, to basically end it with the real moment of he's going to unfreeze this mannequin because now they know what happened. They're going to incorporate Jason not into the dance part, but he's going to come down. They tell the story about how they're rescuing the peasant girl and then they're going to have it actually happen. Looks like a huge spectacle to the, the audience. Um, but again, Count Pretzel Spretzel is there. And um, he and the manager have like a fist fight because he doesn't want this to happen. He fully sees what's happening. Um, but the audience thinks this is all a part of the act. Like the manager getting his butt kicked and the count and all of this. Um, so then... <laughs> There's a fencing scene between Jason and the Count, and they're going to fence for her love. Um, meanwhile, Hollywood is setting off like all these little props of like, there's a smoke cannon on stage and he presses the button to trigger it so um, Jason can get the advantage. And then there's some prop that just swings down and knocks the Count off the stage. I think everything's gonna be fine. No, no, my friend, he has a gun. <laughs> The cat just shoots people. Um, so he, after the fencing scene, kind of starts shooting. I don't think he actually takes anybody out, but he does the classic, like, this girl gets it if you don't let her go with me. And they run up to the roof of the building. You go up to the roof of the building, and this I actually really love. This is when I was like, okay, they're fully self-aware of how silly this is. On the top of the the building, instead of a getaway helicopter or plane, the idiot henchmen have secured a hot air balloon instead because they thought it would be more romantic. So <laughs> get in this hot air balloon. I thought this was a really cute way to, to actually resolve it um, and fit everything because the henchmen are such idiots throughout the whole movie. Um, and while they're running up the stairs, actually, they go in the elevator. The elevator's blocked off. So... Jason and Hollywood and everyone have to run up the stairs 
and the other two henchmen are there in the way and the dweeby security guard who just wanted love and attention from from gail has just like hairspray and hairsprays them both in the face and they're completely incapacitated by it as if it were mace but it's just hairspray and gail just like thinks it's the sexiest thing in the world <laughs> and kisses him so he gets his girl too we get to um the top of the roof the hot air balloon is getting away but jason of course makes it into the hot air balloon and he has um count like bent over the air balloon and ready to push him out and he goes i can't do it um because he's a baby face so he can't he can't he can't kill the guy he can't push him out and the count says well i can to you and he goes to throw jason out of the balloon and mannequin who has been conscious for maybe 20 hours and animated and frozen several different times is smart enough to say i have the necklace i'm gonna put it on the count and that freezes the count and they push him out of the balloon and the mannequin version of him falls to the ground and they the henchmen realize like oh our ticket to bermuda is gone and they say they're going to piece him back together and you see a street sweeper come by and clean him out of the way and it kind of ends with um him being on display at a museum but like all the pieces are hot glued back together and it's all a hot mess and them saying uh you know but nobody really believes the story the same way so it was tied up really nicely and then it closes closes with um jason buying her a normal necklace that she puts on as like an engagement gift and they get an adjust married pink convertible which i think was hollywood's car the entire time and they ride off into the sunset so um that was basically the whole weird little movie if you have any questions the floor is yours <laughs> um at any point does hollywood go like oh i've been here before i've seen this i know what's going on mm -mm. no it is it is because uh, that's what i remember from watching uh mannequin 2. Uh, i can't remember a part where he did that um is no as i remember it being like well, why is i mean he's great in the movie but why is he in the movie if his whole point of being in the movie isn't be like listen i've lived through this before i know some things about mannequins coming to life so he's um, the one carryover character. He he's is the one guy. The one carryover character. Well, they picked the right one because he's amazing. Yes. Uh, Meshach, <laughs> Meshach Taylor, who uh, was probably most famous for designing women uh, on TV around this time. Uh, tragically, uh, died in 1914. Um, really, really talented dude. Um, very, very funny black comedian actor. Um, uh, just wonderful uh uh i don't know if you spotted it uh the the character of jesse the mannequin girl christy swanson yes. who then the following year would go on to be the very first ever buffy the vampire slayer in the original movie oh, okay. that's how she got that uh was was that way the other thing about it is that if you watch the the pre the the prelude 
sure. like the stuff in the medieval times they're all all those actors in the medieval times are in the present day like count spretzel is like the sorcerer in the beginning that and, i caught i didn't i don't think i caught anybody else and the three goons are also in the original there's three random soldiers who are bumbling in the beginning and then i guess the mom is the queen in the beginning um oh okay i that yeah. i didn't even the queen was very done up in her in her uh yeah queen get up so, so, I didn't so they decided it's like everyone's been reincarnated all the way down the line and they're all now back here a thousand years later so they could do this deal um uh yeah i uh, yes this this movie is um it is inferior in every way to the original mannequin um uh the the uh the magic is entirely different like okay. it doesn't like none of it it doesn't make any there's no connection whatsoever i wonder um, why they were like we need to make another one of these that's I, completely I, unrelated I, I, um, I, I almost feel like somebody wrote a movie about a, a, a girl who was frozen a thousand years ago and come back to life via an enchanted necklace and then somebody bought that and those people had the ip rights to mannequin <laughs> which was a, which was a huge success in 87 they were like let's just get a script doctor to make this the sequel to mannequin but we won't do any effort to make it nearly con have any continuity whatsoever um uh so uh the 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 way that mannequin starts off with i have to i want to read this correctly i put i have a notes in here um in my little notes app um it starts out with this again this is pre-credits like it was with you it is uh, a very uh, it, it shows the exterior of a pyramid in egypt uh and then the little title card says edfu egypt a really really long time ago right before lunch <laughs> And I was like, is this a parody film? Because that's a that's a parody thing to do. The whole like right before lunch thing. Is, is like that was how you know, I felt when he was going through like just slaughtering the entire army. I was like, that feels very like so self-aware. It feels Monty Python-ish or right. Princess Bride-ish or whatever. Like it, it felt very, very um parody-ish. Um, so we go inside the pyramid. And it's panning through, and we see one mummy, which is just wrapped in toilet paper, it looks like. Uh, and then it passes by another mummy, and you can see that it's wrapped in the same gauzy type stuff, really cheap gauze, except the eyes are available, and the eyes are looking back and forth. And the camera pans past it, and then as if, as if the camera was like, wait a minute, what was that? The camera goes back. Which again is is a is a tactic in parody movies, which this is not. Um, but this whole first scene feels like a parody of a movie um, because it pans back and it it is um, it's just it's it's the girl who becomes the mannequin. It's uh, Kim Cattrall uh, oh, from Sex in the City. Okay, uh, so that's and, a joke. Um, at the time. 
she was already famous for Porky's and Police Academy. Like she'd been in a few movies. It was not her first rodeo. Um, but uh, yeah, so anyway, it's her. And then her mom comes down the stairs into the bowels of this pyramid. Uh, and she says, uh, uh, Esme or Emmy or whatever your name is, M M whatever. Um, hey, uh, you come out right now. Um, you, you, you turn down the, the whatever you, you, you turn down the something, you turn down the thing, you turn down the Pharaoh's food tester by darn it. You're going to marry this next one. They, and then, um, and then like she, she's the, the girl's hiding, trying to be a mummy, but then just reveals herself, even though the mom had no idea she was like where she was. Seems kind of a waste. He's like, Mom, I don't want to marry just anybody. I want to marry for love. He's a very good, he's a very good boy, whatever. Uh, you should do like what does he do? He's a fuel merchant. Mm. Okay, so he sells camel dung. You can't be so picky, young lady. And it's just this weird, like we're supposed to believe in Egypt. I know it's not that supposed to be that serious. But it is a very weird thing to be. Why is it ancient Egypt? Why would that? Again, this is at, predates yours. Why is it ancient Egypt of all the places? Why is this very white, blonde-haired woman, Kim Cattrall, a, 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 somebody who lives in Egypt thousands of years ago? Says, um, I just want. I, I want the gods to come and take me away. I want to live. I want to I want to invent things. I want to be smart. Don't you think that if I thought a woman could do those things, I would want those things for you? But all you can do in this day and age is be, is have a husband. Listen, I don't like my husband. Your father's worthless. But like that's basically the character. Isn't ancient Egypt known for not that? <laughs> Specifically, I don't know. It's, yes. Isn't Cleopatra like the groundbreaking I, matriarch uh, you, of you, you all would of think, society? You would think. Um, but uh, yeah, it's um, so. Anyway, she's she's like, I wish the gods would help me. And then the pyramids start shaking, and then she disappears into sand, and that's it. And then the the woman's like, her mother's like, e Emmy, where did you go, Emmy? Emmy is short for something um, Egyptian. Um, and so this movie came out, I want, before we get into the credits, the movie came out in 1987. It was a hit. It made $42.7 million at the box office, which adjusting for inflation is almost $105 million. Um, it was nominated for an Oscar. Can you guess what it was nominated for in the Oscar category? Oh my God! Please tell me it's drama. No, um, it was not. It was not nominated for a Best Picture Oscar, but it was nominated for an Oscar. And I will tell you what it is at the end of, of special of, effects. Yeah, no, not special effects. <laughs> special effects. Um, uh, but uh, there, there was quite a little cast in this film for its day. Kim Cattrall. Who's already been established? Andrew McCarthy, who had just gotten done doing Pretty in Pink, Less Than Zero, Saint Elmo's Fire, 
and was going to one use one of those this. 80s guys that was in yeah. all of the yeah and he was going to use this to springboard him right into weekend at bernie's so that's where he became the guy who deals with inanimate people things and that's when his career kind of spiraled um and it's too bad for him but uh but anyway, he was a big star at the time. Was one of the he was one of the Brat Pack type guys. Um, uh, also in this film, James Spader playing way against type because um, he had just done the Pretty in Pink, uh, where he's like you know th the bad guy, you know, like you know, I'm, look at me, I'm so gorgeous, and don't you want to be with me? But I'm I'm too I'm unattainable for you, Molly Ringwald, kind of a thing. And in this he plays absolutely against all, all against that as opposite um and then estelle getty golden Holy girls shit. uh golden girls was in this like third season like it was a big deal that she, she was in it and she's playing i don't know 30 years younger than sophia from the move from the show which is a lot of fun she's playing her own age as opposed to sophia uh which is fun um and meshach taylor as hollywood um uh who's um, who's great in this as well. Um, so, um, the, the, the credits are animated. Were yours animated? I don't think so. They were animated and it was a, a, <coughs> a cat who was, a, who was dressed like a pharaoh and you could see the cat go through history popping up like Forrest Gump in all the major events through history um and then eventually it just it gets to philadelphia pennsylvania present day oh wow so both are in philadelphia right philadelphia right. is mannequin turned person haven <laughs> yeah so again yours is an enchanted necklace right turns 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 a woman into a, a mannequin um and and it is a thing where if you're wearing the necklace, no matter who you are, you become a mannequin where you wear the necklace. Which was muddy because I felt like when the spell was put on, it was, you had to, you were cursed with this necklace and you had to be within the vicinity of your true love. But then it just turned out whoever had the necklace was frozen. Right. <laughs> um, so this is not the same thing. This is the woman who says to, to the Egyptian gods, I just want to find my true love and I don't want to have to blah, blah, blah. Um, so uh, we meet um, Andrew McCarthy, who is a sculptor, but he works. But then uh, again, a, no. Yeah. He works uh, as a, I don't know how to say it. Uh, he, he works making mannequins. That's what he does. He makes mannequins. Um, in a factory that makes mannequins. And he is a perfectionist because he is a sculptor and he has completely sculpted this mannequin. I guess, wouldn't you be a whittler? Because sculpting usually works with like, you know, clay. Molding and yeah. Yeah, but it's not usually made out of wood. But anyway, um, he's fashioned this mannequin and the mannequin looks exactly like Kim Cattrall. But like it's come from his own mind, his own thing. Right. And so he's... he manifested her. We love right. it for him. <laughs> yeah. 
and so she, uh, so he gets fired from the mannequin making job because right. he takes too long to make mannequins. Because well. like, do you like her? I think she's really she's really coming along, isn't she, sir? Um, uh, like it only took me uh, six days or whatever, it was like six whatever. You know, honestly, I think that I could probably turn out these three or four of these a month. You're supposed to make three or four of these a day, Switcher. Get the hell out of here. Um, and, and so he gets fired. But he's like, oh, can I, can, I, can I just take her with me? Can I keep her? It's, it's, the, it's the one thing that I've made that it feels like the most thing that I've actually put, put work into or whatever. Uh, and he's like, no, oh, you can't take her with her. Uh, you can't take her with you. Get out of here, Switcher. And then he, he goes and he... That's, he uh, that actually seems very fair. Like, you're supposed... You're already behind. I don't think you can right. just take one on the way out. That's not how yes, that works. That was weird. Um, and so uh, he goes and he's, he works as a trimming hedges, but he doesn't trim the hedges. He fashions it into a giant bunny rabbit. Get the hell out of here, Switcher. What are you doing? Uh, he gets a job. Um, oh, making blue animals in the park. And, uh, and then... Um, he uh that one is really not having to do with sculpting though like he's making blue animals for a birthday party in the park and the little snot-nosed kid birthday party kid is like uh i don't want one of those balloons i want that one it's a giant balloon that has the company's logo on it you know can't have that one my dad paid big boku bucks for this party you gotta do it he's like you know what i don't give a shit here here you go kid and the, the thing is so big that it carries the kid up into the sky. <laughs> Good. He deserves it, Brett. And, and so then he's fired from that because he gave away the balloon. And he, yeah. uh, then he works at a pizza place. And it's it's it, the, the, the owner, there's a huge long line of people wanting to get pizza. The owner like, looks, looks back there at the, at the thing, and he's got a pizza laid out, and he's perfectly placing the peppers and onions and pepperonis to make a perfect they crafted beautifully aesthetic beauty pizza get the hell out of here switcher um his name is jonathan switcher um so he's um been uh fired from wait his, his name's jonathan jonathan yep because jonathan adjacent like you couldn't even uh jonathan switcher and um and then uh, he's dating a girl named roxy who's a upward social climber. She's working for a major department store in Philadelphia, uh, trying to move up and become like, you know, youngest mm -hmm. vice president type thing. Loving department uh, stores, loving Philadelphia in this yes. world. Uh, and so she doesn't like that he, you know, he picks her up to go on a date on his uh, broken down motorcycle that never actually stays working and she gets made fun of by her colleagues and she's kind of upset about that and then uh he wants to buy her a hot dog and because he's because he doesn't have any money and so she decides to break up with him and so he has to drive home in his motorcycle that breaks down so he's got to push it home in the driving rainstorm and then he of happens course. to come across the window the front window of a different department store that has his mannequin in it and so he's just like oh my god it's you i've missed you so much you know you're the first thing i ever created that made me feel alive or whatever and then uh, i also just want to call bs on the fact that you would need that many mannequins that fast how many displays are you so urgently i mean putting there up? are a lot of mannequins in that department store uh 
so I don't know. Like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know you need that many. Like, but maybe like maybe it's like they're a major producer, like a manufacturer of mannequins for the entire eastern seaboard. Like all of the at that time Boscovs in the area. Yeah. yeah. Uh, everywhere, you know, Saks Fifth Avenue. Sure. Uh, you know, any 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 place you pennies, you can't forget pennies. Your pennies. Your um, Macy's. Your Macy's. The Bonton. Uh, Got to go to the board on. Um, so, uh, so anyway, um, uh, he ends up um, going back to that place in the morning just to see the, the, the girl in the window. And he ends up running into the owner of the store, played by Estelle Getty. And um, he was talking about the, the woman in the window or whatever. And uh, then they're putting up a new sign, our 100th anniversary celebration, big giant sign uh, that then falls and starts swinging down and nearly kills Estelle Getty. But he shoves her out of the way and it, and it grabs him instead. So he's like riding the sign back and forth in a very, you know, and every time he comes up, his butt hits a live electrical wire. and He gets zapped. He goes, oh, ow, you know, because it's, it's an 80s comedy. Of course. And uh, and so she's, oh, thank you for saving my life. What can I do for you, young man? Well, I could use a job. You're hired. So so that's that's how he gets his job at this place. So the first, like, this is a very roundabout way to get there. And also, bro, get a therapist. It's like, the whole perfectionist thing is keeping you unemployed. Your girlfriend can't be with you. And you're going back to visit a mannequin in a window. Like, mm-hmm. we need therapy. Yeah. Also, I don't know how he—I don't know where he where he gets the money from, but he's he's got a huge loft apartment. Oh, good just, for him! Just just enormous. Good it's the him. size of a warehouse. Um, anyway, uh, he um, he gets introduced by Estelle Getty to James Spader. James Spader has a part in his head in his hair that starts right above his ear. And goes all the way across. He's got these little glasses. He's got these way too tight fitting um, three piece suits. He he walks around like this. He's like, well, obviously, I am Mr. Richards. I am your boss. So I will be. He's playing the nerdiest nerd possible. Like he was like he was wow. like I want to show that I can do. I have of chops to be a real comedic character actor because I've never gotten to be that before. I've always had it to be like you know. The hello, how's it Mr. Cool Guy? Yeah, and like he was like, I want to do this because I want to get cast against type. Um, I wonder if you read for the original for the lead and was like, actually, I kind of want to do this Richards guy because this guy's you know something I never get to do before. Um, and he's great actually in this, he's one of the it's it's, he's he's a great actor, he's really really good. Um, this thing absolutely tips over the line to caricature, but it's still great. Um, so. Uh, she she says, hire this boy. And he says, I have the perfect place for you. In the mail room, because that's where he's supposed to go. But he steals, keeps trying to steal away to go and find the girl in the in the thing, right? Weird. Um, and on his first day, he also meets uh, Hollywood, who is the window dresser, the chief window dresser at this place. Um, uh, I I feel like he meets him later in the in the day, though. Uh, he meets um, also. Uh, he meets 
Felix. I can't remember what the last name is. But uh, Felix is played by G.W. Bailey, who uh, who was the the base the the bad guy that the lieutenant everybody hated in Police Academy, all the Police Academy movies. And he was also the 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 soldier guy everybody hated in Short Circuit, which is one of my favorite uh, '80s movies. Um, and he's great. He's perfect. He's like he's a he's a Vietnam vet who's never really left the war, but all he is now is a night watchman. And he's got a he's got an English English bulldog named Rambo that is supposed to be the guard does. dog. Um, and uh, and he he just, he's not. He doesn't like it. So, uh, so, oh, anyway, he meets Hollywood, who says, "You know, he's like, oh, so you're a sculptor, you're you're an artiste. Well, you could be my assistant," says Hollywood. Uh, I think because um, uh, he he finds the girl and he's like talking to her, and then Hollywood walks in, like, "Well, look at this. I never thought they they'd hire anybody stranger than me. Wonderful. So glad that you're here. We obviously we're kindred spirits. Like, no, no, no. I'm 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 just a normal regular guy." Don't disappoint me, honey. Like it, <laughs> it's, it's so 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 great. I love that they're like. There's a wonderful thing of like immediately. Uh, Hollywood thinks this dude is like whacked out, but totally accepts him for who he is. And Andrew McCarthy, completely cool in 1987 with this black, very very homosexual man that he's working with, which is awesome for Andrew McCarthy and this movie. But. G.W. Bailey, Felix, like, oh, so you're assisting the Mary in the, in like, the, 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 um, so uh, there's a, there's a, there are too many homosexual jokes in this movie, uh, but it's of its era, you, you, you go with and it. And it sounds like it was made by the people that would make those jokes, like that, right. not that the joke was on them from the writers, but right. like the G.W. Bailey character oh, would sure. be the oh, type of guy right. that would make those there jokes. Are, there were people later who were just like, characters with two lines and one of them is he's in there with the fairy like i don't know why Rough. like you know come on it's, you don't need to do that um but uh anyway so she's he's he's they're trying to dress the window hollywood goes off to find some stuff because he's like he's like oh so you're an actual artist so i want to learn some stuff from you says hollywood because i'm just a the flamboyant fashion person um, and so he's like, uh, she, he says her, her scarf falls off the scarf that they've draped over her, kind of the slips off or whatever. And then he says, Oh, what's the matter? You don't like your scarf. He says to the mannequin, she says, not particularly. No, cause she comes right to life and he freaks him out. And, uh, and, uh, when Hollywood, like, she's like, hi, hi, Jonathan. It's nice to see you that like, you made me, you know who I am. Like what, what this is the, he can't accept it. And then Hollywood comes back and she turns to a mannequin again. And then when Hollywood leaves again, he's like, you're the only person who can see me like this. Well, that's convenient. Great. Now I'm, now I'm obviously <laughs> insane. Um, he starts thinking, he said, he goes to Roxy and, and tries to tell her that he's insane as well. He, he, he called her earlier in the day on his first day of work. He worked like a 12 and a half hour shift. Um, and so his first day at work, he says, one hey, for somebody who just saved someone's life. Like, um, uh, he says um, to Roxy, I'm going to pick you up from we're going off a really fancy dinner at eight. And he just, he doesn't show up because he's busy doing the, the window with, with Hollywood. And so she's very angry with him. He shows up the next morning 
um, because he is convinced that the that he's lost his mind. He's convinced he's lost his mind. Um, so he uh, goes. He's convinced he's lost his mind. So he's going to go and talk to Roxy, and she wants. He's like, "You need to help me get help. I'm I've gone crazy. I didn't stand you up last night because I wanted to. I I think I'm losing my mind." And so here is where we find out that Roxy is being courted by a stereotypical European male character. He's got the accent, hello, this is me. My name is Armand, and Armand, Armand just want to take you to bed. Armand want to take you to bed and make love to you all the time. Uh, and he's like really aggressive, like uncomfortably so. But it's hilarious because, you know, all she has to do is smack him, and he's like, "Well, what? I was just kidding. Ah, Armand, only a joke." Um, anyway, so he shows up to pick up Roxy because he always does this because he wants to take her to work. Um, and as soon as Andrew McCarthy shows up, she hops in his car to, to to take rather go with Armand, the lecherous dude, than than Andrew McCarthy. So he's very, Andrew McCarthy's like, "Oh, okay, great, wonderful." So he goes, he goes back to work and he does the same thing where he's basically like becomes, he's set up the very first um, window dressing that he did on his own. Wait, question though. She does nothing to help him with the fact that he's losing his mind? No, no, nothing at all. She's embarrassed by him, thinks he's making it all up. Um, yeah. Um, so she, she works for... That's not um, how you ha handle mental health situations. If somebody comes to you, just viewers at home, keep that in mind. Um, she is working for uh, the major, the biggest department store in Philadelphia. Uh, it used to be the place where uh, where he works. Um, where where you know, like that's what he used to be. They've they've fallen apart. There's a great point where he's walking in through uh, with Estelle Getty when he when, after he's just she just said you're hired and they walk through this through the to the big department store and she says wow when do we open we are open there's no there's no customers in the store and i thought that was just because it's it's estelle getty so she's perfect of course you are open it's great um <laughs> so um there's uh so he finds out anyway so the first time he, he creates this window dressing Actually, she does because he kind of passes out because he's, he's very late. He's been working since like six in the morning or whatever. And so she helps him to create a window dressing, which is her her mannequin sitting like doing this, you know, um, and there is a, uh, um, a, a, a mother, a male tennis, uh, a male mannequin sitting in these bleachers with these tennis rackets that are just spinning around next to them. And then a tennis ball that goes on a wire back and forth. Dunk, dunk, dunk. And it, it looks like there's a tennis match going on while they're sitting there. There is, no joke, 45 people crowded around this window to see what it is. The 80s, where the internet did not exist. So 
we have to entertain ourselves with a window dressing. And even more impressively, people told their friends, and yeah. they didn't even say, like, check this out on Twitter. People were like, you got to get down here to see this window, man. Sorry, I'm... They had, to go to a pay phone. they had to go to a payphone in order to... You know. I had to dial down the center, I tell you. <laughs> it's a collect call from, you got to come down and see this window. Um, <laughs> uh, so... Um, so Estelle Getty sees that all these people are, are watching, right? And she's like, wow, this is amazing. You, you did what, what a fantastic job you did. And it's like, well, uh, yeah, uh, thank you very much. Like, okay, great. Your new thing is now you will be working with Hollywood. That's your new thing. You're not in the mailroom anymore. You're working with Hollywood. You're, you're a window dresser with him, blah, blah, blah. Um, meanwhile, Mr. Richards, James Spader says, um, well, he is secretly being paid by the guy who runs the other department store, Illustra, I think is what it's called, to get the board to sell to him on for pennies on the dollar because he wants to buy Prince because it's got a it's at a fantastic location, it's got an amazing building, but just nobody buys from them. But he thinks he will get everybody to come in and buy from Illustra in that particular location. That's what he thinks. So Mr. Richards, James Spader, at the board meeting, is like, um, I think we should fire this young man. What an embarrassment he is to the Prince and Company name that he would do this with these mannequins. My God, how gauche. Anyway, I think we should move on right now and sell for 10% of what the, what the thing is worth <laughs> in the company. And Estelle Getty's like, no, we won't do that. We're going to hire this boy. He's great. He's going to bring in a whole lot of more customers. Also, we're not selling at all. Um, and uh, one other guy on the board is like, well, 10% of what we're worth is better than bankruptcy. Um, and she's like, no, we're going to do it. And the rest of the board is like, we should get six more weeks and then we'll think about selling again. So the rest of this whole thing is just Jonathan Switcher um, and Emmy. I never heard the hell her name was uh, in the actual old, old, olden Egyptian days. Um, in ancient fall, Egypt, as it were, falling in love to a bunch of um, '80s Belinda Carlisle, like does one song. It's just, it's just, and they just put on different clothes from around the thing and like pretend to be different things. Like at one point, like he's a gangster with like a pencil thin mustache that he he does, and she's like a, like a, a flapper or whatever. And they just like Maybe prance it's around. Be so long if you got your shit together, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so this is what they do when they fall in love. She explains to him at some point that she's been a lot. She's been for thousands of years. She just keeps coming back um, and becomes a muse for other very for other for artists. Um, that one time her boyfriend was Christopher Columbus, and. Uh, she told him that the earth was round and then she never saw him again. <laughs> wow, did you meet Michelangelo? Ah, uh, yes, I met Michelangelo. Uh, we, I thought we were going to desperately be together, but he was involved with some guy named David. And <laughs> that's <laughs> cute. Clever, I love it. Right? But like she says, I'm, I'm going to keep coming back until I find my one true love. Um, and so they're falling in love with they nothing, like there's, it's very innocent. There's, they literally prance around the entire thing while somehow G.W. Bailey, Felix, is patrolling, trying to catch them in the act and never does. I don't know where he is, 
there are like seven floors of this department store. So maybe he just happens to be on the other floors or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, um, she, anytime anybody comes within anywhere near her, can see her at all, she turns immediately back to a, to a mannequin. That's, that's the magic in this one. So um, a lot of people like walk in on him with her and, oh, nope, that's, I'm, it's, ah, it's fine. I'm just, I'm hanging out with his mannequin. What are you talking about? Yeah, um, that's fine. Uh, uh, so he gets promoted to vice president because everyone is, is buying stuff from the store now because of his windows. for him. These window things, I cannot stress this enough, are lame as hell. <laughs> they're really just, they're that's just so much as, better. That makes it so much better. It's, it, they're really nothing. There's nothing about them that is interesting or. This is not one, the Macy's Christmas window display. No. This is. There's, there's one that's kind of interesting, like as an art project, but I can't, I don't see how it would sell clothes. He like all these mannequins in various states of undress, trying to throw on clothes while running for a bus. Um, and it's like that's the one you actually see the least of, but it's like that's actually a clever idea, like you know. But it, but like I don't know how it's like. Oh, I saw this window, and now I gotta go buy thousands of and, dollars worth of clothes, and I'm clamoring to get in. Like clamoring oh to get in the store, there's, dying there's, to spend my money there. People are like pushing past each other to be able to see this <laughs> the, the window. Oscar uh, nominated. Yeah, yeah, Oscar nominated. What's well, so I'll tell you what it's for in a second. Um, so um Hollywood, by the way, keeps ducking out during you know his night shift, we're supposed to be doing the windows, um, because he's having uh, trouble with his uh his boyfriend Albert who's cheating on him. So he goes and spies on him at all these different clubs and other places around town. <laughs> um, I'm glad uh, they like let him have a romantic arc that established he's gay because he's yeah. so flamboyant in the second one, but doesn't have any romantic storyline. Yeah. I'm wondering if it like it somehow got more conservative from 87 to 91 Does the idea of, like, it could be, we all or know what he is, but we're not allowed to talk about it kind of a thing. You know what I mean? It could have also been um, the story was just so convoluted in the second one already that they might have not wanted to like go out of their way to create a I mean, romance. You, for him. you could do you could do a thing where he thought that uh, the Count Spretzel was a fine piece of uh, of of grade A beef. Yeah, but he for no reason has a disgusting mole with a really long hair. That's true. I, for, I forgot about that. In the and they don't. There's no payoff. He's just gross. Yeah, it's very weird. Yeah, I remember that as well. That's that's terrible. He did say, um, yeah, he could definitely not Mon African... definitely not definitely not Hollywood Montrose's type. Hollywood no, Montrose. but he did say, "Have you considered putting African beads on that? Because that would be." <laughs> um, so uh, at at one point, um, uh, right. So he sent. So the guy BJ. Who fans of uh, of our Tuesday night show talking about NXT will remember it was tonight. Um, is uh, people call him Beej. Beej, uh, uh, BJ Wirt is his name. Uh, he is the general manager of Illustra. He's the one who wants the, the store. So he sends Roxy to like try and poach 
Andrew McCarthy away from Felix from from Prince and Company, so that so that they can have him and they can get all his them. But he was like, no, no, Roxy, this is not what I, I, this is. I found finally found somebody who likes me for me. I found some people who really I really care about over there, uh, and I'm I'm not I'm, I have I have loyalty, something you would never understand. You took um, your Euro trash boyfriend and yeah, and left. Um, uh, so she. Um, uh, they f the Estelle Getty fires James Spader and G.W. Bailey because they they suspect some things about uh, Jonathan and want him fired because they don't they think that he's you know crazy in love with a mannequin right yeah um and so she fires them because she doesn't like them and so they immediately go to work for B.J. to try and like um you know because they like no. Seriously, he's in love with the man. <laughs> and and BJ's like, well, you gotta bring me some proof. So they sneak into the thing one time and they try and like get pictures of it. Um, what Roxy does with, with Armand, the boy, the, the, the Euro trash guy. And they're they're um they take pictures of him rolling around on the floor with a mannequin, not the girl. Uh, the mannequin. But the mannequin. Because well, Roxy was already told by him that he thinks that he's having a mental breakdown. And she's like, right. <laughs> are you going to take some pics? Because she, she, she wants sucks. the corner office. She wants the corner office. She's terrible. I, she she sucks. Office. I hate she Roxy. Sucks. Yeah, we, we should all we should all hate Roxy. She's yeah, terrible. She sucks. Yeah, we don't like Roxy. Um, uh, so, um, there one night, I don't know why. Jonathan Switcher takes Emmy Kim Cattrall, the mannequin, on the back of his motorcycle through Philadelphia. I mean, I don't know if there was like a curfew order in effect, but there are no people on the streets of Philadelphia. <laughs> I feel like that's a big enough city that there are some, some people out doing stuff. A um, person. Right. There's one one person early, early in the, like there's people out when they want them to be out. Right, of course. Um, so he they drive past this elderly couple. And of course, anytime anybody sees them together, she's a dummy. But anytime the, only the camera sees her, it's Kim Cattrall going like, oh, wow, skyscrapers, you know? Um, and so this old lady with her with her husband is there. She says, look at him with a dummy. And the old, the old man goes, who are you to talk? I was going to say that's so just, set up for the like... I'm with stupid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but I love it because he also burns because he burns himself. Yeah, Look at him with a dummy. Who are you to talk? Like, I'm a dummy. I'm a dummy. That's great. Yeah. So he is fully aware of this. He's vice president, which means he's making money, and he chooses mm -hmm. to take his motorcycle instead of a cab home. No, no, no. They're not going home. They're just going on a joy ride through the city on his oh. motorcycle. It's very romantic. It's very but, dumb when you know yeah. that other people don't know. Um, uh, 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 James Spader, G.W. Bailey are on a mission to steal the mannequin because they 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 feel like what they have it they can blackmail him. Of course. Anyway, that's so they see them leaving the building on the motorcycle, and they try and chase them in his like giant Buick. There's a chase scene, the motorcycle and the giant Buick, uh, when James Spader's just sitting there like, like, Joe, you're going to get us killed. 
And uh, Jimmy really is like trying to through the car or whatever. I forgot. There's a whole scene where he catches um, the Andrew McCarthy like rolling around on the floor with a mannequin. Right. Uh, and then he's like, "You're a sick puppy. I'm gonna take care of this the only way I know how." And he cracks some knuckles, and they have a fist fight. Just in sporting goods, they beat the crap out of each other. And I don't like. I just like like it does I caught not you seem with like a, a proportionate response. No, I caught you with a mannequin. Let's fight. And Andrew McCarthy's like, "Yes, let's." This seems like a thing that I will do with you as well. It's just a weird deal. Um, the 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 chase scene is decent. It ends with them on a motorcycle going down an alleyway that gets narrower and narrower until Felix and and James Bader and their giant Buick jump off a little ramp until well, the the up in the air till the till the uh, the alleyway gets so narrow that the car is stuck between the two buildings. Oh no. Um, and, uh, then they get out. I don't know how, I don't know if they kicked out the windshield. There was no way any of the doors were opening. Um, they weren't in there long enough for the police to have come and let them out, but they on foot, they go back to the department store and go in to, um, to get her. Uh, they've gone back obviously to the department store as well. The motorcycle was parked outside. That's how they knew they were there. Uh, um, they, they have sex. Andrew McCarthy and Kim Cattrall, the mannequin, have sex uh, on a in the furs department on a bed of furs. This is the best scene in cinematic history. They don't actually show it, but it's very heavily have implied. Um, and he falls asleep, and she says, "Oh, I better go get in the window, you know, because I need to be there when everybody when the whole thing opens." Um, and so they come in and they don't they can't identify which is the real mannequin. So they steal all of the female mannequins from the department store. GW Bailey and James Spader too. And there's one point where James Spader tries to pick one up and the only way he can think to do it is to like get down behind it and squat down really low and then pick it up around the upper thighs so that his nose is like right up the girl's mannequin's butt. But it's and he's like He's, he's done his, it's 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 a man it's a mannequin not her yeah. ass cheese right right so um but the next thing is uh Anna McCarthy waking up covered in furs in the furs department to a crowd of people standing around going oh, it's art what art oh <laughs> that's actually pretty cute I like that uh, and then here comes Hollywood coming in like all of somebody has come in and stole all the mannequins. Your girlfriend, too. Uh, she's also gone. Uh, is it film at 11? Um, and he's just, yeah, I uh, love Hollywood. So, uh, they, um, part of them that during the chase scene, before the chase scene, she gets really angry because. Obviously, this guy, Andrew McCarthy, loves a mannequin more than he ever loved her, says Roxy. So, uh, and so Armand says, do you know what you need right now? You need to go somewhere and have a whole night of distasteful sex with someone you do not care for at all. And I would like to be that person. She's like, okay, fine. Like, oh, really? 
go start driving before I change my mind. And he says, Armand is the wind. And he drives away. Uh, then they have the whole chase scene. And before we get back to going back into the department store, there's a scene where she's getting dressed, sitting at the foot of the bed, and he's looking under the sheets and crying like, this never happened to Armand before. And uh, that's it. That's that's the last of their little relationship that we ever see. Uh, I thought it was kind of, uh, he needs blue chew. Um, so, he does. Um, anyway, so he, so James, so whatever. Uh, Andrew McCarthy is running to get to the other department store because he knows that's where he must have taken her. So uh, so they go, and he, he bursts through the doors, and he finds the people, and he punches James Spader, and he's and he, and he like, I'm, yeah, where is she? Where is she? So like, and Roxy says, you'll never have her, and she runs away. And he chases after her, being chased by the entire um, uh, security team of this new thing. Um, there's all there's all kinds of dudes. Uh, and he is anybody just, else concerned about the fact that literally of every other mannequin was stolen? Like, is there any effort to recover? Oh, no, no, yeah, no, uh, uh, yeah. We see later that um, right after right after he runs away. Um, no, this is this is Estelle Getty comes in at the end and be like, "I knew it! I knew it was you who stole my mannequins." You know, to Good. BJ to the beach. Um, and, uh, but that's, and Roxy. <laughs> exactly. That that's, that's later. Um, so anyway, they're chasing him through all of this floors and he's like jumping over the, 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 the perfume counter and ducking underneath all the, you know, the whatever. And they're getting, they can't catch him, but Roxy's really fast and she is running with a purpose somewhere. And finally, uh, oh, GW Bailey is also now, uh, I forgot to mention, Rambo uh, saw, I think, her turn from regular gal to mannequin. And then he freaked out and he's no longer a guard dog anymore. He just, he's, he sits over in the corner. He's really scared of everything. So he had to get a new guard dog. And this one is uh, Terminator and it's a German Shepherd. Um, and uh, it's also kind of incompetent because he set, he sicks him on uh, Andrew McCarthy. He's like, kill. And he runs past him. <laughs> he just leaves the store. Um, and so, uh, anyway, they're all chasing him. And they get to the uh, sub-basement level. Um, and uh, Montrose is there. Because he's Montrose drove Andrew McCarthy to the store in his giant pink Cadillac convertible. Which has, the license plate is bad girl. Because, of course, it is. Um, the convertible and, uh, carries over to the next one too. Isn't that nice? Um, that so nice. they go. Roxy is trying to get to this place where the, all the mannequins are in this big bin, this big rolling bin, um, and she loads them onto a conveyor belt, which dumps them into a giant industrial shredder slash wood chipper. So she is going to to spite this guy who she used to date. She is going to murder whatever thing that he thinks he's in love with. That's what she's doing. That's her whole plan, this whole thing. And so, um, uh, seems Mont like a waste of perfectly good mannequins all around. I can't sure. emphasize enough. If you think this guy is just in love with the mannequin, yeah, like not the way to no, seems like a waste. Not the way to deal with it. Um, uh, Hollywood 
is able to cut off all the all the uh, department store guys, the security team at the pass with a fire hose and just keeps hosing them down with it. Mine's bigger than yours is. Um, the best. And uh, he he's great. And um, uh, so that means Andrew McCarthy's able to get into that room as the last of the mannequins are toppling over the top of this little conveyor belt and no. falling in. And, she, and he's able to run in and grab her by the arm, the mannequin, and she turns into the actual person as he's able to try and pull her back out, right? Because it's true love. Um, uh, there is a guy who comes out of this office who's like a janitor type. He is, for some reason, we don't know, furiously trying to pull up and zip up and belt his trousers. I do not know what the what we were supposed to be assuming he was doing. Like, is there a private bathroom in there? Uh, was he? We, we don't know. He says, he says, hey, what? You can't come in here. What are you guys doing? Um, and then he is standing at the bottom of the conveyor belt. I don't know why exactly this happens, but a whole giant truckload of trash falls uh, out of some overhead thing all over Roxy. Okay. Then oh, for janitor, yeah, janitor guy is standing at the bottom of this thing and he's he's looking up at um at Emmy and Jonathan and Emmy's like, Oh my god, I'm real. Look, he can see me. He's looking at me. I'm not a mannequin. That means that means you have to love me forever. Because like yeah, you're my true love. Like I was gonna, I now I know that I'm only become real forever if my true love is real. I was like, oh, you better believe I'm going to I'm gonna love you forever. And they kiss. And um, and that that guy, the the janitor guy, starts trying to find any mannequin that he can make out with because he thinks that that's what you do with mannequins now. And then he was able to, to pull aside all the trash and he sees it's Roxy and he kisses her unconscious body. And she goes, Oh, what's that? it's a miracle. And tries to kiss her some more until she slaps him. Um, that guy uh, is played by the same actor that plays your little, um, your geeky security dude. Oh, all right. I'm pretty sure it's a different character because he's just listed as janitor in this one and he's a different person in that one. I don't know if he's a friend of the producer because like he gets a whole like scene where he's like pulling up his pants and making out with Roxy and then after everybody else leaves he dives into after all like all, through all the trash trying to find something else to make out with. Um it is uh, the, weird that your reaction to "Hey, that mannequin just turned into a person" would be. I I gotta. If get this is true, that. yeah, then clearly. So, um, the beach comes in and it's like, "Arrest that man! He's 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 crazy! He went through all this entire store." And uh, and then Estelle Getty says, "No, arrest him! He stole all my mannequins!" And the cops are like, "Well, Estelle Getty, so obviously we should take obviously. this guy." But, yeah. One word, he said, she said, but if the she is Estelle, is Estelle Getty. Getty, I mean, duh. That's, that's, that's just the law. That's we got to obey the law. 
That is um, in the Constitution. Look it up. Um, so, uh, yeah. So anyway, um, uh, he's like, uh, they saw, uh, oh, yeah. So they replaced Felix with a security camera system. And so they have camera footage of them sneaking around and trying to, like, stealing all the mannequins. So she knows it was them. He says, <laughs> but then Anna McCarthy goes, hey did that security camera pick up anything else? And she says, I only saw what I needed to see. Um, and so, so she still lo loves him anyway. So the last thing is um, we get to see their wedding in the window at Princeton Co. with, um, with Hollywood as best man slash maid of honor. Um, and he's crying through the whole thing and they kiss whatever. And that's it. That's the end of it. The uh, the song over the credits uh, is um, uh, "Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now" by Starship. Nothing's gonna stop us now. Wait, I want to take another. Which which was nominated for an Oscar for no. best. No, that was the Oscar nomination for Mannequin in nineteen eighty seven. I was but, hoping it was gonna be Hollywood. I no, I was gonna guess that I would be supporting no. actually. Uh, yeah. Uh, and if this world runs out of lovers, we'll still have each other. Nothing's gonna stop, stop us. us no. Um, let them say we're crazy. What do they know? Bro, you're you crazy. Falling in yeah. love with mannequins. Yeah, no, it's just yeah, it's definitely crazy. Um, so it does seem to me that Hollywood would be like at least say at some point whoa deja vu like I don't know yeah. why Hollywood in the second one isn't like I've seen this whole thing before yeah. don't worry it all works out um, but yeah so there's that's that's Mannequin, that's a, mannequin 2 they had an that, opportunity I want to make sure I'm not missing anything. Well, uh, I mean, there's one thing that we have to ask each other. And... Right, obviously. But I, I, yeah, I don't. My favorite part is that the window displays are so unimpressive. They're so just random. It's so funny. It's nothing. There's nothing interesting about them. I don't understand what. There's one where it's like they're supposed to be like fashion models, and there's a mannequin. It's like hunched over in front of them, like just doing click, flash, click, flash, click, flash, click, flash. But that's it. Like, and, and people are going crazy for it. Like it's. I feel like that's got to be the best part, right? Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's, is these people just oogling at the windows? It's just like, I, I'm trying to think of like. Window dressing almost feels like it's even predates nineteen eight. Like even by nineteen eighty seven standards, it would feel like who gives a damn? Like that's fair. Like nineteen forty something, I could see, and there's no reason why this couldn't be a period piece. Honestly, like there's no reason why it couldn't be. I don't know, but like I, I don't know. I always, I always think of the beginning of a Christmas story. Yeah. it around looking at all the all the presents like that feels like like that time like, where like you couldn't where, where television wasn't a thing right i feel like that's when window dressing was a as at its zenith that's probably i do true. not think now 
1987, people had cable. You you didn't have to like go to down to the department store for entertainment. And a woman dressed up like she might play tennis one day. And again, not like um, like people will go see the windows at Christmas time in the city because they're phenomenal. They plan right. for months and months. They yeah. put crazy effort into them, and they're a sight to see. But like. <laughs> These yeah. people are headed to the bus and put gloves on. It's not like that. That uh, was the best you got. Yeah, no, it's definitely not the best anybody had. Um, uh, yeah, I, 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 I remember it. I don't know why, but that never that didn't stick with me from watching it the last time. But yeah, the thing that sticks with me the, with the most is like, honestly, not that impressive. Not that impressive. I don't know why anybody cared. I don't know why anybody would give a shit about this. Guys, window dressing doesn't make any sense. They're but, men. Uh, it, you know, honestly, though, it's it, it it is a movie about a woman who comes to life uh, from a mannequin. Maybe in this alternate timeline where that's a possibility, window dressing is the highest form of art. That's a very fair point. Maybe in in the multiverse. Uh, Kate, you gonna get the flick out of here? I'm gonna keep it. I'm going to keep the flick in because unlike a lot of the ones we reviewed recent too, it was very well paced. I will say about mine, like everything flowed. I didn't really feel like anything was too stalled out. And like, sometimes you just need a good eighties charmer of like, you got your montages. You got, you know what I mean? Like there are no you, fewer than three. We are cute. Look how cute we are. We're yes. falling in love montages in we mind. got in mind we got a beauty one we got at least i think we got two romance ones like and again the like mine is the thing about mine is that all three montages are the exact same montage yeah. and like different costumes dressing up in and like pretty close together in the movie it sounds like so i would say keep it but just know like it, you're signing up for exactly what you think you're signing up for like don't expect to be like completely presently surprised but sometimes i love a dumb 80s mm -hmm. stupid like little comedy and this one was a a pretty cute one and hollywood is just such a, a fun character the presentation was so much fun that i was like yeah i would sign up for this, this I'll, I'll keep this in here and again it was much quicker paced than a lot of them um i will say uh, that the only reason you should ever watch um uh mannequin one is in case somebody says, I need you to go out and find um, the quintessential oddball 80s comedy for the second half of the 80s. Um, uh, and, you got uh, the cast too. You got Estelle yeah. Getty and James Spader. And I need you to go out there and find it and watch it by the end of the day or something terrible will happen to your family. That is the only reason to ever watch Mannequin. But that is a per that is the perfect movie for that situation. Sure. There is never a reason to watch Mannequin 2, ever. There's never a reason to watch it. <laughs> it doesn't even need to exist. It's a bad idea from the very beginning. I'm not saying it's not a charmer or whatever, but it, there's, there's somebody's like, why make this movie? 
I don't know. There's literally zero reason for it. Because honestly, um, because the first one made a bunch of money, so they were like, "Let's go try and make it again." Let's let's try and re rekindle that four years later with only one character carrying over from the first one, so and weird. even he doesn't seem to know he's carrying over from the first movie. That I is wonder, a very. It, was it like produced by a different film house or something? Was, like that's was, the only it, thing I could think of. Yeah, it's a different uh, director. Like so I know that. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, it, it, uh, as I said, it is like a, a 1987 threw up into a time capsule. It's it's just, it is, yes, it's definitely that. Um, yeah, and it, it is one of those things of um, just the concept is just so out, out of, outlandish that it doesn't, like, it honestly, it has really solid elements of, like, two young people falling in love, but you can't ever get away from the fact of, like, that one of those people one, one point, he takes her into the ladies room um to tell her the good news that he just became vice president and they start making out in the ladies room um oh everyone thinks that when they hear him talking to her that her voice is him being a ventriloquist or something like he's talking to the dummy again like they 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 say this like whatever and then Hollywood shows up and he walks in on them. It's like, and, and she, as they're making out and, uh, and then McCarthy like stops and looks at him. It's like, you know, I never would bother you when you're getting a piece of wood, honey. But I got to tell you this. Um, and it's like, it's just, it is so outlandish and crazy. Um, it doesn't need to exist. Um, it, it is, it, if you, if you say to yourself, I have to watch every movie that was nominated for an Oscar in the eighties, I'm sorry. You gotta watch this movie because it was nominated for an Oscar. I don't know what won, but there's not a better song from '87 in, out of a movie than "Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now." Did it win? No, Ugh, I, I don't know won? what won, but it would have told me like one it won an Oscar. It was, let's look it up right now. Let's look it up. Please do because I want to know up. what edged out that song. Oscar winner, 1987, best. Song. I almost typed best dong. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I was wrong. This one should have won. From an American tale. Somewhere out there. Beneath the, the oh my god, my sister and I used to sing that to each other all the time. Uh, th th that's a, that's a classic. Thinking of me. That's a that's a classic. That that's movie's that movie's great. That's a great that's a great one. It's tough. That's tough. That's more of a movie song than the other one. The other, like, that's, I, that's a standalone. Like, when I found out that nothing's going to stop us now came from a movie, I was like, what movie? Why? I thought that was just top in the that, charts. It, it was. Like, it was number one for several weeks. Oh, yeah. I just mean, like, independently. In I didn't think. Yeah. yeah. I it was. Yeah. It was like, it was. Like, Tethered to movie. It topped the charts, man. Hell, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I'm, 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 uh, as, as a franchise, I'm going to get the flick out of here. As, as the, a standalone, my particular movie, Mannequin, I would say, like, only in the very rarest of circumstances. If you like say, I need to watch the perfect 80s comedy for some reason, not perfect, just like most, the most 80s comedy, not the best 80s comedy, the most 80s comedy, this is the one for you. 
That's all. I would say I'm keeping it, but under the circumstance of you just, it's exactly as it's exactly as unlayered and two dimensional as you think it is. You will not be surprised by anything. No, there's nothing that doesn't try to surprise you. Doesn't try to do anything. No, it's not clever. No. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Kate. Where can the people find you if they would like to? Well, you can find me doing a couple of interviews on this Hairberry channel. You can check out um, the one that I think, as of this release, dropped yesterday with Robert Clotworthy, who was the is continues to be the voice of ancient aliens he's the narrator there we have a really fun conversation about this just being an 18 season drug or not already and and um he was so generous with his time and understood exactly what the intended spirit of ancient aliens is so go and watch that it's such a delightful conversation to have been a part of um and then on top of that you can find me tuesdays doing the nxt post show with this guy Wednesdays at the Mark Order Podcast, Fridays doing AW Rampage and SmackDown Post Show, and at Miss Kate Fabe on Twitter. You can find me on the Twitter at Alex Sourgraps. Uh, if you like any of the things that we do here, I'm going to be doing more watch-alongs yeah. for different random things on my own personal YouTube, uh, which is uh, just search Alex Sourgraps. I don't have one of those fancy dancy like URL slash things because nah, I'm not can. big enough yet, but you people can fix that by subscribing to my channel. Uh, yeah. And, and I'm sure Kate will show up eventually. And we'll I'll get watch there. Crap. <laughs> anyway. Uh, thanks everybody uh, for hanging out. And uh, we don't know what we're going to do next week. But we and there's one movie. There's one movie that has been requested that we are drastically trying to put off. Yeah. Maybe until this time next year, um, it, it, maybe after the show ends, maybe we'll, we will we'll never have to watch it. And we know what you were talking about, and that's for you to find out someday <laughs> on Get the Flick Out of Here. Bye, everybody. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Click the subscribe button and find out what it means to me. Nah, that doesn't have a ring to it. But if you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.